Grace, mercy, peace. These are God's amazing blessings to you, to me, as his dear children, through Jesus our Savior. Dear friends, dear fellow children of God. Take a look at these words. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by the Creator with certain unalienable rights. And among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. These words, you may recognize, are part of the Declaration of Independence. But they're not just part of our our history as a nation. They're almost part of our identity, our, our DNA as a nation. It's interesting, though, that, you know, we've, we've got among these three, among the all inalienable rights, they list three, and probably more than, than any of the others today, there's one that's become more unalienable, more of a right, more of what we chase after. In fact, I think it's probably, in many ways, the thing that most people want the most, and that's happiness. And we pursue it with everything we've got. We use the phrase, right, I just want you to be happy. And we'll say it even when we mean, I want you to be happy even though I know you're doing something that's horrible for you. But it's the pursuit of happiness and who can take that away from them? Or you deserve to be happy. You made a mess. It's going to take a little while, right? Like, this is not a surprising thing, and yet happiness, 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 that's what we chase after. We've got emojis for it. In fact, we've got a whole slew of emojis for it, right? Different degrees of happiness. Did you know that there's actually 20 songs that have the title happiness or happy? 20 different songs. There's like 16 of them that are named happy. Like if you Google song happy, you have to specify which artist. Because there's so many of them. And that doesn't even count like, don't worry, be happy. Hakuna Matata. Daydream Believer, think about it. So happy we're together, right? So happy together. There's this countless array. In fact, except for love, happiness is the number one song theme out there. Nearly every advertising campaign, I mean, think about that for a moment. Everybody that sells an ad, that puts something out there, they want you to think, if you stay here, if you buy this, if you eat this food, it will make you happy. You'll be happy with your decision. You will feel happy about where you're at. It's all about making us feel happy, which is why I want you to not think about it and instead to just fill in the blank, number one takeaway. I'd be happy if, what's your heart telling you? Don't write the answer you think you should write because of church. (laughs) I'd be happy if, the flip side of that, of course, is what makes us unhappy. And it's amazing, it really doesn't take all that much like a sock left in the middle of the living room. Oh, come on. Dishes left on the table. Oh. 
It's like the littlest things that don't just, we're not like, oh, oh, I told you how many times? Every day there's another sock in the middle of the floor, right? Like, it's these little tiny things, but they, they mess us up so much. Our emotions are so catered to this unhappiness, to, to the things going the way we think they should go. And see, there's really the problem. The common denominator among all the things that make us happy or make us unhappy is you and me. We want what we want. I want what I want. You want what you want. And when things go the way you want, well, guess what? You're happy. When things don't go the way you want, frowny face, angry face, frustrated face, confused face. Pick, pick your emoji, right? I mean, there's, there's this whole range of emotions, but ultimately we can sum them all up in, I am unhappy. Whether it's because of laundry left out or dishes left out or having to eat leftovers five days in a row, I just want to eat a good sandwich. <sighs> it's what I want, right? And that's the problem. It's really true. You may not relate to my examples, but it's really true. And that's what brings us to our second takeaway this morning, that I make my happiness based on what I want and how often or, un, or unoften, not often, that happens determines how our mood, like how our day goes. I'm happy because I got what I wanted today. I'm not happy because I didn't get what I wanted today. I got reprimanded by my boss. I'm unhappy. I didn't want that. I got to do this. I'm happy. That person snuck ahead of me in line. My whole day is shot because I'm unhappy. Isn't it crazy, though, how often we tie our happiness to this idea of what I want? And you know what? It explains why there's so many unhappy people in the world. And it also explains why there's such a temptation for you and me, even as Christians, to be unhappy. Because you may have figured this out by now, but rarely does life go the way that you want. And if your happiness is tied to what you want, you are not going to be very happy. This is a hard concept, right? It, it, we don't like to hear this, and it, I'll be honest, it's, it's only going to get tougher. The reason we're talking about this idea of happiness is because Jesus is about to lay out this whole buffet, this whole big description of what it means to live a blessed life. But I'm just going to tell you right now, it is almost the exact opposite of what you naturally think and what the world around us says is a blessed life. When we listen to Jesus' description in just a moment, you're going to hear him say things that you're going to go, there is no way that that could possibly make me happy. And the reason that we're using the word happy is because the first word in nine of these verses is blessed. And the original Greek word for blessed is makarios, which can be translated one of two ways. Blessed or happy. Now, Jesus isn't describing all the things that should give you this warm and fuzzy emotion in your life, but he is describing what it looks like to live a life that knows this is good. 
even if it's difficult in the moment. It may not give you the, the warm and fuzzy feeling, the emoji of happy, but it helps you understand this is a piece of what it looks like to live a blessed life. But it's not going to be easy. In fact, it's, it's completely contrary to the way that we think, to the way that we even naturally live, which is why our series today that we're starting is called Contrary Kingdom. Because you and I, we live in this kingdom, the kingdom where Jesus is our king, right? He's our king because he died to save us. He has called you and me to faith through his Holy Spirit. And so now he lives in our hearts. He's our savior and he's our king. And because of that, we want to live for him. But it's contrary to the way that we so naturally think and the way the world around us operates. And so this is going to challenge you today and really the series. It's going to be a challenge to the way that you want to act, the way that you want to think. I'm just warning you. And yet it's, it's so amazingly good when you see and you know and you trust Jesus is my Savior. He is my King. He wouldn't tell me anything that's bad for me. And what he says is truth for my life and for salvation. So this morning, we're going to dig into Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to hear him say, rejoice once and be glad once, but we're going to hear him say, blessed, you are blessed, fill in the blank, nine different times. But there are going to be things that are going to be tough, tough to wrap our heads around, tough to tell our hearts, no, that's actually what Jesus says is good. It's so contrary to what we want to think, what the world around us praises and holds up as good. And yet Jesus says it is. And when you trust him, trust that no matter the circumstances, you are blessed, well, that's what makes you truly happy. So let's take a look at Jesus' words. Matthew chapter 5, it's the beginning of the section of the Bible that's often referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. The reason for it comes from the very first verse. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So, good list of what it means to be happy, right? I mean, take a look at the last one there, right? You're blessed when people insult you and falsely say all kinds of evil things about you because of Jesus. Blessed when you're poor in spirit. Blessed when you're meek and humble when everybody else around you is asserting themselves, when you 
when you don't seek revenge and you've been wronged, that doesn't sound like a good day to me. Blessed when you mourn? Who is actually happy when they're mourning a loss? I could insert a 49ers joke, but I won't. (laughs) Blessed are you. Just these things that Jesus says, though, wow, they just turn our... This doesn't make sense, Jesus. Like, who is blessed? How is this good? How are these things supposed to make us happy? Well, maybe you notice, but every single one of those blesseds and then this like difficult thing, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who, me- who are meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. All of them come with a promise. And it's a promise of amazing goodness and comfort from God who always keeps his promises. Blessed are the poor in spirit because, well, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn because they will be comforted. Blessed are those who are meek and humble because they will inherit the earth. All of these things, these reasons that we're blessed, that we are blessed when we face hardship and difficulty and sadness and suffering is because it reminds us this isn't heaven. And it's not even close which is really important for us to remember because we tend to want to make it as close to heaven as we can, right? We try to remove any difficulty from our life. We try to set up this little kingdom with our house as the castle and we are the the ruler of the domain. And we try to make this world like some kind of perfect nirvana-like good thing. And God says, it's not. Like, take it for what it is. I give you all these good things, but don't think that it's some kind of heaven on earth because it's not even close. Not even close. With all the worry and fear and brokenness and hardship and sadness and all of the other things, don't think this is good. Not compared to what is to come. Compared to what eternity is with God in the, in the amazing perfection of his perfect love and goodness, the absence of anything bad. This pales in comparison. This doesn't even come close, and yet we so often want to make this, well, this is as good as it gets. And God says, no, no. And that's why he allows us to face difficulty and hardship and suffering and and why it's a blessing for you and for me, because what does it remind us? This earth has no glory to offer that is even comparable to the glory of eternity with God. That the hurt we face is a reminder that there is no hurt in heaven. That the sadness that we go through here is a reminder that Jesus promises he's going to wipe every tear from our eyes. There will be no more weeping or sadness. Right? This This life, all of our difficulty reminds us that no matter how hard we try, all of our best accomplishments, they actually fall short, don't they? They fall short of what God demands. No matter our best day, we can always go back and go, I could have done that better. I shouldn't have said that. It's It's an important reminder 
of just how broken and failing we are and our world is. And that's why Jesus tells us it's not what we do, it's not who we are, it's not the the kingdom that we try to set up here that makes us blessed. That's what the world says, but that's not what Jesus says. He's got a very different definition, a very different understanding. That's why repeatedly throughout the Bible, God tells us it's not because of the right things, the righteous things that we do that he saved us. It's not because of your accomplishments. It's not because of how much you love other people or how compassionate you are or how much you give or any of those other things. God says they don't matter anything, actually. Not, not when it comes to your salvation. No, he loves you because he loves you in spite of all the broken, in spite of all the, the harsh thoughts, the cruel words, the, the compassionless moments. God loves you. And he loves you so much that he sent his son into this broken and sin-sick world And now I want you to think just for a moment again that list that Jesus gave of of what it means to be blessed, right? Poor in spirit, those who mourn, those who are hunger and thirsting for righteousness, merciful, pure in heart, peacemakers, persecuted because of righteousness. The world looks at that list and laughs. That's just, (laughs) that's just ridiculous. Stand up for yourself. And, And that sinful part of me says, yeah, I'm never going to get ahead like that. There's no way. I'm just going to I'm going to pretend that this part of the Bible doesn't really exist and I'm just going to keep going doing my thing and maybe this won't matter. But Jesus takes the idea of happiness, of what it means to be blessed, and he flips it upside down. But you know what's really amazing? It's our third takeaway this morning. That Jesus didn't just preach these words. He lived them. And he lived them perfectly. The king of heaven and earth, he could have chosen to be born into royalty, into the grandest palace that you or I could even imagine. When he was arrested, he could have called down an army of angels. When those self-righteous Pharisees attacked him and tried to trap him and challenge him, he could have exposed the most embarrassing sins and just ruined their reputation and destroyed them. He could have picked fights. I mean, he knew, knew everything. He could have fostered arguments, and he did none of those things. Instead, he was meek. He was gentle, right? Turned the other cheek, literally, when the soldiers were beating him and mocking him. He never retaliated. Never even thought a hateful thought. He was perfectly merciful. Whether it was the the most learned scholar who was off base or the most socially detestable sinner, he hungered and thirsted for righteousness, for what was right, not just what was popular or what would go over well with the people. He hungered and thirsted for what was truly right in God's sight. He was completely pure in heart. He made peace instead of instigating conflict. He lived all of those qualities and he did it perfectly. And he did it perfectly not so that his life would be happy. 
Not so that his life here on earth would just be this blessed existence. He didn't even do it so that you would have a pattern to follow. Instead, he lived perfectly so that you would be blessed. Because you see, that leads to then, why did he die? Because God says the wages of sin is death. The soul who sins is the one who will die. And we just, Jesus had no sin. Like There was no reason for him to die, and yet he willingly gave his life. And you know what he did? For you and me and, and every other sinner. He gave his life. He died to pay for all the times when we aren't merciful. To pay for all the times when there is no hungering for righteousness and we just want to do what we want to do. To pay for all the times when, when we do things that look good outwardly but there are purely selfish motives on the inside. To pay for all the times when we foster conflict, we pick and we poke at instead of harmony and bringing peace. Jesus died so that you are blessed. And that's what Jesus wants you and me as his modern day disciples to understand. That you are blessed because of him. That's what makes you truly blessed. It's not the the possessions or the stuff or the status or the power, all the other things that the world says, that's what makes someone have blessed. Jesus says you are blessed because of him, because of what he did for you, because how he saved you and he has made you a part of his family and brought you into his kingdom. And now he pours out this beautiful description of what it means to live a blessed life. And he attaches amazing promises to it. Because he says, when you mourn, dear Christian, you will be comforted. Not by a, a really sweet poem on a card, but by a Savior who loves you and gave his life for you. When you are poor in spirit and you just don't have the strength, well, you have a Savior who does. An all-powerful God who loves you more than you will ever know. See, that's what Jesus wants us to understand, that all of the good things that he gives us in life, and he gives us so many good things, right? Our, our purpose, our job, our, our friends, our family, our stuff, our hobbies, all of these things, he gives them to us. And yet, yet, he says the most important thing is our fourth takeaway this morning, that there is nothing in this world that can give me more happiness, more blessings Make me more blessed than Jesus. Don't look for your ultimate source of happiness in your family or your work or your spouse or your kids or your stuff, anything else, because you'll never find it. It will always leave you wanting. But Jesus never will. He is the ultimate source of happiness, of a blessed life. You are blessed because you are a child of God. You are blessed because you are his disciple, his follower. He wants you to see that living this blessed life, what will truly bring you happiness for eternity even, is living the way that he says, listening, trusting in him, finding your peace and your joy and your hope in what he has done for you.
It doesn't always seem like it's blessed. The world around us laughs and says, that's weak. That's lowly. That's nothing. But Jesus says, oh, it's everything. Because you are his child and you live in his kingdom. Sounds awfully difficult though, doesn't it? I mean, like far-fetched. To, to rejoice and be glad, to, to be happy when somebody lies about us and says all kinds of horrible and evil things that aren't even true. And they're all because you're a Christian? How are you supposed to rejoice about that? Jesus, understand, Jesus warns. He tells his disciples, he told us them before he, he died, that the world hates him. And the world that hates him is going to hate everyone who trusts in him. And so don't be surprised when the world that hated Jesus doesn't go, oh, you're a Christian? Oh, that's good. Good for you. Tell me more. Jesus says that's not the way it works. There's going to be hostility and resentment. And do you know why? It's in part because you have happiness that they don't have. And they go running after it and searching for it in all of the broken ways that the world can never provide. And they hate you because you have it. Because you have what truly makes someone blessed. You have Jesus. Jesus wants you to understand that. To trust that and to live that. Because what will make you truly happy in life is not chasing after more stuff. It's not pouring more and more and more time into your work. It's not trying to find happiness with the people you live, in, live with. It's him, first and foremost. And then he brings all of these other things into perspective. And he brings them all into your life for your good, as blessings for you. Because you are blessed. And in those blessings, that's where we find happiness, right? So don't go searching for it in all the wrong places. Find it first and foremost in your Savior. He's the one who makes you blessed. And then when you face difficulty and hardship and sadness, look at, look at the amazing promises God makes for you. You're going to be comforted. Be that person that, that brings peace to a situation. Be the person who, who is pure in heart and doesn't have ulterior motives and just shows kindness and compassion and generosity without, without caring what's in it for them. Those are beautiful things. Those are things the world struggles to understand and yet God says those are, those are beautiful. Those are the results, the outflow of being blessed, of having Jesus in your heart as your king and knowing that he is your savior. Dear friends, that is the blessed life that God has called you and me to. And it won't be easy. And it may not even result in like a happy emoji. But knowing that God is your king and your savior is what will make you truly happy today and for eternity. Cling to that truth, that definition of what it means to be blessed. Amen.